Wings Up, a podcast about FAMU athletics, is here to talk about FAMU in a positive light, what's going on, and always keep you abreast as to the most up-to-date events related to FAMU athletics, whether it's football, basketball, tennis, or even FAMU golf. We're going to talk about it. We're going to bring it up to the light. We're going to share it so that you can brag and tell all your other friends in the swag that FAMU is the greatest school on this side of heaven. I'm Keith Hadley, and I am a graduate of Florida University, and I also run the FAMU Fifth Quarter on Twitter. Like the Twitter page, follow it, and make sure you share it with your friends so that they can keep up to date as to how great FAMU is, so that if they're not a rattler, they can know their kids need to be. Greetings and salutations. Another episode of Fangs Up here. And we have a lot of exciting things going on on the Florida A&M University campus. And one of the most exciting ones is to lead off with Isaiah Landis staying. If you have not heard about that, that was the big news of last week or this past week, I should say. And we get a tight end from Florida State named Kobe Gross. We also have football offers that have gone out. The baseball team gets a sweep and is on a winning streak. The softball team is going to be going to the SWAC tournament. The track team goes to Prairie View, Texas. And we're going to finish the show with a segment that we're going to call Inside the Den. Because if you don't know, rattlesnakes tend to live inside of a place called a den. Uh, There's actually a place on campus called the Rattler's Den. That is where it's kind of a lounge spot for the FAMU students. And it is kind of down underneath some of the uh, buildings on campus there, right across from the barbershop and not far from the uh, the bowling alley. So Gallimore Lanes, all that stuff is down there. I am a real rattler. I'm not one of these people just telling you about it. But let's start off by talking about Isaiah Land and Kobe Gross. Isaiah Land is staying at Florida Indian University. Uh, that was huge news. Isaiah Land won the Buck Buchanan Award previously in the year he stated even though he had other schools that were uh, pursuing him, that he was going to stay at Florida A&M University. And then on May the 1st, we get notification that he's entered the transfer portal. Okay, speculation, was it true or not? If you watch the FQ family Twitter page, and if if not, why, why are you not watching that page or why are you not following it? You would notice that uh, I waited until I had good sources, and uh, you're going to notice routinely with the FQ family Twitter page, I wait till I have good sources before I release stuff. I'd rather be the last to report it and it'd be good information than the first to report it and I have to retract it. I've, I've had to retract something once before and it was because of miscommunication between the student and the coach. But I retracted it because it was my fault. But uh, because I didn't double check and triple check. Um, but we are going to see that Isaiah Land decides to stay at FAMU and he had multiple schools off from Georgia, Auburn. Kentucky schools from the SEC, the ACC, all the major power five schools offered him Oklahoma. He had several schools that courted him, but he chose to stay at Florida A&M University. Big, huge get for the university. That's a huge keep because when you lose major players like that, it speaks down on your program. It says that you're not able to offer them what they need so that they can prosper and propel themselves to the next level. Now they feel like they have to go elsewhere to do better. And we kind of saw some of that last year. If you're not familiar, Zende Ray left Florida a and uh, University for Georgia Tech. And his numbers weren't that good. Um, and it's not because Zende wasn't a good player, but it's because he goes to Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech sucks anyway. I mean, they're not a very good team in the, in the ACC, in a bad ACC and then to kind of go there and have a sub 500 yard season doesn't show a lot to the pro scouts or anyone else that is looking. And it's not all Zende's fault. Georgia Tech sucks. So what happens if Isaiah Land goes to a Alabama, Georgia, Auburn, and he's buried in the depth chart. And now the only film you have is film from when you were at Florida A&M University or better yet, you get there and you spend the entire season fighting to become a starter on the depth chart, okay, that's great. You finally are starting at Georgia. That says that you're probably going to get drafted highly, but most of the season you spent your time within the film area proving yourself to the coaches and not to the rest of the league, whereas 
get the film out there, do this last year at FAM and book. It seems like it's probably the best route. And let's let's be honest, y'all. That that this past draft did not help console the concerned student. The person that's saying, Okay, I'm gonna get drafted from FAMU, they're coming here, they're seeing these guys, they're looking, this pro scouts are here, and Marquise Bell and Savion go undrafted. That that had that 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 has to do something. So instead of getting million dollar contracts, we got two hundred thousand dollar contract. That's a lot of money. And suppose also we're not getting any NIL money. So what are we doing here? So it's a it's a big, big undertaking. And that was a huge getting. If you saw Willie Simmons post on Twitter, he's kind of giving you a forewarning that, hey, there was a lesson to learn here. Like we got lucky to keep this guy. And part of it to me is because he just gets in the portal so late, because if he gets in the portal in January, in my opinion, he's gone. He's gone to a bigger program. Somebody's giving us some NIL money. I mean, I mean, we're, we're having barbershop talks and people are talking about their kids that are playing sports and they're saying, hey, hey, my 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 friend's kid got offered 250 to do this for NIL. I ain't talking about two hundred fifty dollars. Talking about two hundred fifty thousand. So schools are coming with bread to sign these kids, and we we got to step our game up. And we got fortunate to keep Isaiah Land. Hopefully, us as alumni can do more. And not gonna lie, y'all. As I get more, I'm gonna give more. But we got to do more uh, as an alumni base to be able to keep these players. We don't want to be the the minor leagues for FBS programs. Like we don't want to be that. Just like we don't want to be the fallback for the FBS athlete. We don't want to consistently be, oh man, go down to FAMU. We know Simmons recruits well. He has good talent. FAMU just doesn't offer NIL. But up here at Florida State or Georgia or Texas, we offering big money. We can get this dude that's a sophomore. He looks good. His film is tight. He did this against this and that in the third we should offer him even as a third, fourth receiver. That NIL money is better than nothing. We we gotta find a way to step our NIL game up. So that's gonna be a uh, thing that's probably gonna be a con- constant talking point across the platform. And I was on a talk yesterday, and that was one of the big things we talked about. So we were very fortunate to keep Isaiah Land. That means, fam, you probably has the best, if not second best, defense in the um, Southwestern Athletic Conference, and man in general that defense is scary i i mean famu's got dogs on the bench i'm just gonna say it like that famu's defense has some dogs on the bench like i the weight training staff is doing their doggone thing like dadgummit we look good like i'm just saying that from a person that is not looking from a thousand feet away but from a person that was on the sideline behind the players walking with them and we we got some dudes like I ain't gonna lie to you. I saw Isaiah Conley in the gym last week. Y'all, we getting a good that just that little dude. He yoked up for his size, man. Like fam, use players look good and shout out to the strength and conditioning program. And Isaiah Land looks like looks like he's chiseled from marble. So what what are we talking about here, y'all? Like we get to keep a major player. I think he gets drafted. I project him as a fifth sixth round pick right now depending on what his numbers look like but i think he's going to get drafted um i think the famu time of players not getting drafted ends with land i don't know what happens after him we also get kobe gross so kobe gross and kobe gross is a transfer from florida state university and uh man i was kind of excited about this one i'm not gonna lie going into last year i was excited because I knew he was a junior college prospect, um, and I I don't shy away from any of y'all about this. I'm a Florida State fan. I'm a FAMU graduate, and I'm a FAMU fan, but I'm a Tallahassean, and I'm one of those true believers that Tallahassee does best when FAMU and FSU are winning. When there's 100,000 people in the city, my city makes money, and that's what I'm about. Uh, Gross did not play a lot at Florida State, and it wasn't because he's not a good player. I I don't want anyone to be like, oh, so you're saying he sucks. No, I'm saying he was hurt. Kobe comes in last year, has an injury, 
doesn't play last year really at all. Uh, I think he gets into maybe one or two games and he was going to try to tough it out. But you could see that the production had fallen off to a point to where if he did play, it wasn't going to work. And he came in as the number one junior college tight end in the Florida State in a very weak tight end room. If you follow Florida State pundits like Bud Elliott and uh, the Noel cast, and I reference them a lot because I listen to them. I'm, again, I'm a fan of both universities. Uh, Ingram Smith as well. Shout out Ingram Smith and Bud Elliott. Um, but you're going to see that that tight end room and he couldn't get in. And it wasn't because he wasn't good enough because anyone on paper would tell you him or Cam McDonald, they're going to choose gross. But the problem was he just couldn't get healthy. And so, hey, let's have a clean break. Let's get out of here and let's start something new. And I think part of that is also related to the fact that I don't think gross really fits that offense right now. If you watch Florida State's offense, sometimes it's hard to watch. Jordan Travis is not the best quarterback. He's not the best quarterback on that roster. That new quarterback they got from South Florida is the dude. I even said it before they had that guy that I would take McKay over <laughs> over Jordan Travis. I mean, that's just me. I think McKay sometimes struggles to read defenses. That's just me being candid. That's not me besmirching the gentleman's name. I mean, if you were at the game, I asked him, hey, you know, how often are you in the film room? And that was, that was just a question so that if anybody wanted to say something slick, he could defend himself and say, I'm in there every day. And he did. And you, you've seen the growth. Um, I feel like he's a little slower than the transfer quarterback from Vanderbilt. That boy, whoo, he threw a pick. But that boy, that boy threw some balls that were on a on a rope. Uh, don't don't be surprised if midseason we might see a quarterback change. We might even see a quarterback change going into that Jackson State game. If it looks like it did last game, it ain't going to be pretty. And fortunately, we made it through the first with Junior still on the roster because I thought Junior was going to transfer for a second. I thought one of those quarterbacks was going to transfer because uh, ain't that many balls to go around. And <laughs> so fortunately, the transfer wins blow in the favor of Florida and A&M University with us getting Kobe Gross. Again, big tight end. If you look at his film, his legs look better. Uh, hopefully he can stay in the strength and conditioning program. The strength and conditioning program of Florida A&M has been good, y'all. It's 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 better than it's been in years. I, I have not seen the FAMU strength and conditioning program look this good in ooh, maybe a decade. It's been a while since you look on the field, you see some dudes like we we got some dudes out there. Even we got some dudes that are backups that you're like, OK, all right. Not just that you're taller than me, but you're you actually got a little bit of muscle on you. So um, some big things, y'all. And I think we learned a lesson with the Isaiah Land uh, process here. And the lesson is we got to get on the NIL collective, y'all. We got to find a way to make it work. Grambling's already working on something. Uh, they they have some big things that they're trying to do because they're dedicated to winning. And we can't we can't have schools that have stadiums that seat ten thousand outdo us. Our stadium seats twenty five. That means we got double the the <laughs> attendance on an average game, and we normally are second in the SWAC in attendance thus far. We were second and first in the MEAC, but we're going to be consistently one of the top two to three in attendance in the SWAC just because of brag size, the proximity of fam Ewans as far as to the, to the stadium, as far as the neighborhood and how often we are willing to come back to campus homecoming. I mean, the classic, OBC is going to eat up some of that, but I'm just saying a $300 hotel in Miami is not, is not working for everybody. So, um, if, if, you know, you like me, it's like OBC or homecoming. And fortunately I know some folks at home at homecoming. I can stay at home <laughs> for the low, low price of free 99. So I'm going there, but unless some things kind of work out and God blows some, things in my favor <laughs> favor and i get some type of blessings to fall my way obc might be a i'll watch on tv event and we'll just talk about it after uh whereas um homecoming i'll be there most of the home games i'll be there like even without the press stuff i'll be there like it's it, it i'll be there because it's more it's more beneficial for me 
So that's one thing to look at. And we got to start looking at saying, hey, if we're making sacrifices, let's start looking at this NIL thing, because if we can get an NIL collective at FAMU and we can start putting a little bit of paper in these players hands and in their pockets, the market is there. If you did not watch the show last season, one of the things Gaucher exploited or exposed, I should say, was the fact that some companies hadn't messed with FAMU in a long time and they were willing to do it. But they needed to see stability. They needed to see that we were winning. Nobody wants to support a loser. That's why Florida State's attendance is not 70 plus thousand. Average attendance at Florida State was like 50. Average attendance at FAMU was about 20 something. Okay, that's all right. That's apples and oranges. It is. But at the same point, let's look at capacity wise. Bragg seats 25,000. So you're talking about about 80% capacity at FAMU opposed to, we're going to say about 60. I'm pulling rough math. I'm not even, I don't have a calculator out. We're going to say about 60% capacity. If Florida State was at 80% capacity, that doke is rocking. It's a great venue to watch a football game. If you've never been, go. It's not the best. Um, it's not the best in the state. I'm going to tell y'all straight up, the University of Florida has the best state football game atmosphere, and I don't like the Gators. But that is the best football atmosphere to watch a game in the state of Florida. The uh, UCF is tight. It's good. Um, but I, I don't like UCF. So, But their game atmosphere is pretty solid. Uh, I prefer FAMU to UCF. I'm biased. I prefer Florida State to UCF probably. Definitely a little biased. Um, but, yeah, UF has the best game atmosphere. But they're also 90,000 seats. They're normally about 80% capacity it's a good it's a good time so part of it is not just the nil it is the attending the games it is those other things that go along with it if we get twenty thousand people and brag every week and then you turn over you flip homecoming where we're over capacity don't tell the fire marshal it's thirty one thousand people in there the students are coming the athletes are coming because when you're sitting on the field and brag is rocking man it's a good feeling that the hundred is there like Y'all just don't understand. If you've never been to a game, it's 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 going to bring athletes in and it's a great place to bring in recruits and it's a great time to offer recruits. And some of the recruits that have been offered is one Grayson Howard. He is a 6'3", 220-pound linebacker from Jacksonville, Florida, and he attends Andrew Jackson High School. He's a 2023 recruit and uh, he's right now crystal balled by rivals. I'm going to give them their credit to uh university of south carolina we see pretty often the schools in south carolina come down to florida to get good talent they don't hesitate about it they don't play clemson has been coming to florida for years i mean brandon dawkins cj spiller i mean these guys are from florida but they played at clemson so it's nothing new for schools from south carolina to come down here raid the state of florida get good talent but take them up there educate them and send them on their way and the students like it south carolina is not that different from florida a lot of times they have relatives up there it's just it's a very easy transition for a lot of them uh the next student athlete we see is one josiah cox he's a 6'2 180 pound safety from san diego california and he attends lincoln high school not my lincoln their lincoln in california uh, he's also a 2023 prospect and he is part of the big influx of what we're seeing a lot of these California kids want to come to an HBCU. Uh, if you if you haven't been on some of these Twitter spaces, you're hearing these coaches say, and the players say themselves, I want to go to an HBCU. I want the experience. I want the atmosphere. Something about it is reaching out to them. These students want to attend historically black colleges and universities. And we're seeing a lot more of it. It's becoming more popular. And hopefully we continue to see more of it. Hopefully it continues to be something that these students desire and that they want and that they pursue. Uh, so best of luck uh, to Josiah. Next gentleman is a Kevon Mason. He's an athlete. He literally plays every position, every skill position. He plays it. If you look at his huddle, he's receiver, running back, cornerback, safety. Like he's literally every stinking position on the field. The boy does everything except for sell popcorn, literally. And he's from Lake Placid High School, which is in the central Florida area, if I remember correctly. Um, and he, he's a 2025 recruit. So he, he's a freshman. I mean, there's his measurables are not worth really talking about because he may grow. Uh, you'll see that with a lot of the 2025s on their pages. They don't list their um, 
height and weight quite yet. Uh, you'll, you'll see where they made maybe their height, but normally their weight is so in flux that they're like 145, 150. And you're like, that's a freshman in high school. I'm 200 pounds now. When I was in high school, my freshman year, I was 135. Like, it's not going to be the same by the time they're a senior. You get them in a weight program and things like that. So uh, we're going to see what becomes of that. But FAMU, again, getting on the recruiting trail early, recruiting these guys as freshmen and then preparing to have them in the – preparing to be in the ears of these young men from the start. So that we can always say, hey, we recruited you from the word go. So we're going to see how that goes. Uh, the next one is going to be Malik Tillis. He's a six foot, 260 pound defensive lineman from Fairburn, Georgia. I believe that's right outside the Atlanta area from Creekside High School. But by rivals, he's listed as a hard commit to Eastern Michigan. And uh, honestly, I feel like, fam, you can beat out schools like Eastern Michigan. Like, not going to lie. Nobody's watching Maction except for me. And that's because at the end of the season, there's no football that's really good except for on certain particular days. And Maction comes on Monday through Thursday. Okay. Monday night football is going on. Cool. Tuesday, Maction. Wednesday, Maction. Thursday, you got the ACC game. Friday, you might get a decent game, but there's probably going to be some Maction. And then, Saturday, you get all the games, and I'm definitely not watching no flipping Maction. If you're not familiar, Maction is a uh, term by football fans that we utilize to refer to the MAC, the Mid Mid Eastern Athletic Conference, uh, the Mid American. Sorry, I said the MEAC, Mid American Conference, not the MEAC, the MAC, and uh, they call it Maction because it's MAC action. So MAC football during the end of the season is played almost all week long just so that they can get people to watch the product. So um, I feel like we can get these kids to come to FAMU. Like the stadiums in the Mac are about the size of Bragg, if not smaller. The facilities in the Mac are not that dissimilar from what Florida A&M University is offering. They're, you're in the cold for most of the football season. You're playing in the snow. You're playing at night. Yeah, I'm going to leave the South for that. Nah, buddy. Not like. I really feel like that's a good recruit. That's a good opportunity. And uh, you're not going to sell that student on a lot of stuff that the Mac can offer that fam. You can't. This just being an honest, biased person. But that's also looking to the left, looking to the right. Like, I think fam is a better option. Uh, one is uh, Caleb Graham, though. He's another uh, guy. And he is a 6'3", 290-pound Jackson, Mississippi native who attended Jackson State University. He's a transfer. He's currently a freshman, but he's on the offensive line. And, okay, yay, excited. Transfer, we've offered him. But do you remember Jackson State's offensive line was hot garbage? They were terrible, like, to the point where Dion was actively like, we got to fix this offensive line. We got to get rid of some players on this offensive line. Like, pretty much midseason, it was no secret that the Jackson State offensive line was not the strong suit of the, of the team. It was the defense. It, the defense was what was the best thing about them. Like, other than that, that offensive line was not good. Let's be honest. If Savion Williams plays in that game in Miami, I think we win. We lost by one point. Like, that offensive line is the difference between what could have easily been a blowout. Like, Jackson State, if that offensive line is right, could have easily won the game against FAMU, but I think FAMU does a better job this year. But I don't think Caleb Graham ends up on the FAMU roster if you look at if we're looking at that Jackson State offensive line from last year. And if he is, I think he's getting bad news that he's probably not starting. So we're gonna see how that turns out. Uh the next guy is gonna be Willis Patrick, and Willis Patrick is a behemoth. Dude is a monster. 6'4", 347 pounds. He's an offensive lineman from Angelo State University. He's a transfer. He's a sophomore, and he's a Division II athlete. And if you look at him, he ain't been in the D1 weight room. He got a little bit of weight on him. I think if you get him to FAMU, you're going to try to get him down to 325 and stand in the weight room because, oh, 
340 is not pretty. And I mean, he won awards. I, I haven't really seen his film, but man, I mean, you, you got to think, dude is real close. He's on the line between four, going close to 400 pounds. Very seldom do we see 400 pound offensive linemen that make it in football. It's just too much weight to carry. Your body breaks down. Your knees go bad. I mean, you're constantly running. It's just very taxing on the body to carry that much weight, even at 6'4". If he was 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, maybe. But a 6'4 frame, 350 bills plus, we got, if he comes to fam, he's got to get in the weight room. He's probably got to lose 20 pounds, maybe more. Um, because if a svelte 300, 310, 315 at 6'4", looks good. 340, I don't know how that looks. I don't want to piss him off and say anything about it either. Uh, so, um, all that being said, FAMU is going to have some departures as well. We have two guys that are going to be leaving. One is going to be Rick Murray Jr. He's a local from Monticello, Florida. He attended Jefferson County High, one of those fighting Tigers. He's a defensive back, and he hadn't played a lot. Uh, looking at his time, I didn't see how many games he played last year. Saw the COVID year. We didn't play, obviously. 2019, he plays in two games. I'm thinking some of this is related to the amount of transfers coming in and also the fact that he's not getting a lot of playing time. So we're going to see um, where he goes, wishing the best. Um, but I think it's partially playing time. I don't know that for sure. That is speculative on my end. But I'm honest enough to tell you all when I'm speculating and when I don't, uh, when I have solid information. Uh, next gentleman is going to be Eddie Tillman III. He's from New Orleans, Louisiana, McDonough High School. He's a halfback. Another guy I speculate playing time is a factor. Haven't heard his name a lot in the past couple of years. Um, I do not know where he's going to be transferring to. So a lot of movement going on with the football program. As y'all can see, it's taking up most of the show already. So I'm going to take advantage of that to take a break. So we'll we'll return after this short break. Awesome. Great to be back, y'all. Again, thank you to Anchor for being such a great sponsor to the show. Always looking for any others, though, that would like to sponsor. We are definitely open to taking sponsorship uh, agreements, ideas, anything that you guys want to suggest. Mentioning, though, sponsorship. How about let's sponsor this baseball team real quick with a bit, a little bit of love. The FAMU baseball team had an amazing week, and it capped off with the beginning of a new week. As you all know, Sunday is the first day of the week. And uh, the midweek baseball game against Jacksonville University was a huge victory. Jacksonville's been a bugaboo all season. The, the Dingham Dolphins have been wearing the Rattlers out this year. And it was just great for us to be able to get a win, be able to defeat those guys, and to do it at home. I mean, fam, you've been defending more Kittles Field like that's our hill to die on, and you're not going to take it from us. And the next thing that we're going to see is we're going to sweep Alabama State this weekend. Finally! <laughs> Finally, we've defeated this team, Alabama State, another team that has been a thorn in the side of Florida and University baseball all season long from the onset of the season. Alabama State has been beating FAMU. They beat us in the preseason classic. They beat us in the midseason games. And to get a nice, healthy weekend sweep of those guys is huge. That is going to be very helpful for the standings. That's going to help FAMU in that push for first place in the SWAC Eastern Division. And it's going to be even bigger because this is pretty much going to solidify a spot in the Southwestern Athletic Conference Baseball Tournament as long as all things go well with Jackson State and Bethune-Cookman University. But it was a three-game sweep uh, comeback today. But the first couple games, FAMU led them early. And then FAMU would go on to finish and the games we have to kind of stretch out our lead a little bit later in most of the games because family would create a lead we get a home run here or there alabama state would make a furious comeback tie the game family comes back and then pulls the game out late in some of the lighter innings of the game and that happened again today so not a recipe for success but it's a win and it's a much needed win and we're that much closer to also having a winning record so I mean, close to a winning record, close to a division title. 
close to making the conference tournament. FAMU baseball is on the cusp of doing some great things. And our next series against Jackson State University, that's going to be in Jackson, Mississippi. And looking forward to seeing some really great things uh, going from there. FAMU and Jackson State, I told y'all it's a rivalry. I'm tired of them already. But this is a good rivalry. Uh, this is some good trouble for us to be getting into with them. And we're going to be looking forward to seeing what's going to be going on with that. The softball team, they're going to play in two days on the 10th in the SWAC tournament. We are the three seed. Who are we playing? Not even the SWAC knows. Uh, you can check the FAMU website. And on there, it says TVA. And then when you go to the SWAC tournament website, it also says TVA. So it looks like we're going to have to figure out a play-in game and figure out who's going to play us from the play-in game. At least I'm speculating on that end. And uh, that's the big part right there as far as softball. If we do well in the SWAC tournament, we win it. We obviously make the NCAA tournament. If not, more than likely, the ladies will be back home in Tallahassee. If so, it's been a great season. It was fun to go watch them. I attended the game when they played Mississippi Valley State. Uh, We did not win that game, but I was there not only in spirit, but I was there in person. Uh, So great time to be had. Last sport to talk about before we go to the the Rattlesnakes Den or our Inside the Den segment, uh, the track team. And... The track team is going to walk away with 13 medals. The big athletes to talk about uh, the woman of the match, if we were soccer fans, um, is going to be one Rachel Rachel Robertson. She's going to take it in the triple jump. And FAMU women are going to finish second. But, uh, man, the SWAC's got to do better about this uh, publicity on the SWAC sports when it comes to, like, track. That was hot garbage. That was so hard to follow. Like, I ain't going to lie to y'all. I was literally... On the Twitter page, I was on their page. Unless there's some special way to watch it, and I ain't, I'm not forking over no no bunch of money to, to watch it right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> now, if I get it when when I get it, don't worry, y'all. If I get it big, Lord bless me to be with some big company. I'm gonna subscribe to all of them, and I'm gonna expense it, <laughs> hit everything else, and put on my taxes. But at this point in time, it, it, trying to keep up with some of the swag sports is easier to do if you just follow the individual colleges or universities. And uh, it, it's just, once you go past a certain area, it, it was just very difficult to follow, uh, difficult to know who won. I mean, you, you get the end results with the swag, and they do really well with that. But it'd be really cool to get some of the uh, up-to-date notifications about what's going on in real time because – as a fan, that's that's what I want to know. I want to know what's going on in real time. I want to be able to celebrate my team winning. I'm, I I want to see those things, and I want to be excited about that. So I, I would appreciate if if we can do a little better, a little bit better of that as a conference. Uh, and that's just gonna maybe fall on some of us as content creators to continue to be out there and be on the cusp of um, supporting our universities and sharing with y'all what's going on because that's why we're out here. We're out here to hype up the universities if we get a little check on the end and on the side that's a blessing but really we're just trying to talk well about the universities and rachel robinson great job triple jump uh long jump also did very well the hurdlers came away with some accolades as well so it was a great time by famu athletics great time to be a rattler so uh with that that is our short segment before we go inside the den and we're going to talk about the transfer portal we're going to talk about what it is, what it can be, and what is it turning into. So great conversation to finish the show with. Again, this is Fangs Up. All right, y'all, let's finish our show with a segment called Inside the Den. Inside the Den, we're going to take you uh, inside of some of the hot button issues that are related to athletics, but that are going to be impacting Florida a University. And sometimes we may even talk about some of the happenings that are going about uh, one of the big things is the transfer portal. Now, I'm purposely not talking about Courtney Gaucher, and it's not because I don't care about the man, but it's because uh, enough has been said. He's not coming back. The university doesn't want him back as far as from what I can tell from the leadership perspective. And uh, poo-poo on them for not wanting some of what he wanted. But if what is said is true, is true, then it is what it is. So let's go inside the den and talk about the transfer portal. The transfer portal is the big thing. If you haven't seen uh, students from 
various schools across the country entered the transfer portal in hopes of finding a better situation. Sometimes it's due to playing times. Sometimes it's due to being far from home, economics, different reasons affect different players. Sometimes it's just because the coaches don't want them anymore <laughs> and the transfer portal is a way to clear out the roster and you can swap players. Uh, and I think one of the things that we have to make sure that we're very careful of is thinking that just because people are in the transfer portal, they're better. And thinking that because someone gets in the transfer portal, there there is a reason that adversely affects the university. One of the things, in my opinion, the transfer portal, first thing, the transfer portal is exposing market weaknesses. Uh, we, we, we're seeing that the transfer portal to me is a great example of capitalism. And uh, I didn't come up with that myself. I can't remember the doc, the guy's name off the top of my head uh, because he is, I'm, I, I don't know him, um, but I did, I did hear the good doctor talk about that uh, and his name. First name is somewhat challenging. I'm going to learn it though. Um, but one of the examples that we were talking about with this new NCA, as far as NIL was that it's capitalism and capitalism on itself, especially in the American system is weak. It it's it is built to exploit market inefficiencies. It's built to exploit when there is a weakness in the market, capitalism is built to take over and to maximize that opportunity. Uh we see that even this podcast is an example of capitalism. It is I saw a market weakness and I exploited it. And I ex- continue to exploit it. We see that for instance uh, I use Jay-Z as my favorite reference. Uh, when, he, when he's talking about Rockefeller, he talks about trying to overserve an underserved market. And it's very true. What you're trying to do is the transfer portal is showing that certain positions on the football field are not as valuable as we once thought they were. The offensive line and the defensive line are the money positions. Those positions are the players that we are seeing that are being able to get the most benefit from the transfer portal. Undoubtedly look at what happened with Isaiah Lane. Isaiah Lane plays linebacker, but he's also a defensive end, but he's slightly undersized as a defensive end. If he is a 245 pound defensive end, he's not back at FAMU. He's listed at about 225 and some people ain't going to look at, they're not going to weigh him to find out. They're going to look, see that weight, 215, 225, he's too small to play DN. We can play him at linebacker. Do we want him at linebacker? We don't know. But 300-pound linemen, they're not everywhere. You're seeing schools like Alabama take offensive linemen from Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt is the worst school in the Southeastern Conference. We're seeing schools like Florida State take FCS offensive linemen, and they're starting. I believe the gentleman's name is Bless Harris. So we're starting to see that the transfer portal is exposing market weaknesses within NCAA athletics. And the number one market weakness is there's an overabundance of skill positions, most notably receivers, running backs, and quarterbacks that are not going to see the field. Let's just be honest. Only one quarterback can play at a time. There's a hundred and some odd universities that play Division one football at the FBS level, probably at another about a hundred and something. I'm speculating here. I don't know. I have the numbers in my face, but another hundred or so that are playing at FCS level. So we're talking about two to 300 schools that are playing division one football. That means you got 300 quarterback positions. We're going to give it a nice round number. Okay. Why is that a problem? Because there's more than 300 quarterbacks out there. Y'all. Out of all these thousands of high schools out here, every high school's got a quarterback. Some got three. So now you're exposing the fact that all these quarterbacks don't have a place to play. Because at a receiver, some schools play five wide. Well, if there's five wide that are on the roster, that's 1,500 receivers. Okay. But again, the market for those positions is much wider. There are five offensive linemen that play at a time. 
and each position is specific based on body type and skill set. Most offensive guards cannot stretch out the tackle. Why? Guards are normally slower than tackles. Tackles have to be quicker. They're normally a little taller. They're a little leaner. If you see a 340-pound tackle, he's quick or he's got bad knees. 340-pound offensive lineman is a guard. Why? Because he's going to get up front and then he's going to be able to maul people. And when you maul somebody, that's just like you get on them and you just, just, just manhandle them. So the transfer portal is exposing market weaknesses. And it's showing that the weakness in college football is in the trenches. There are not enough big men to fill all the voids of even the best schools. So that now once you get to the smaller schools and we get decent offensive linemen, then all of a sudden these decent offensive linemen become very valuable because there's an underrepresented or underfilled quantity of them. We don't have enough high quality offensive line to support these high quality programs. Whereas I can get a receiver anywhere. I can find a dude that's five between five, six and six, six that can go run and catch. And out of those dudes that are between five, six and six, six, I can find a good amount of them that run between a four, three and a four, six. So height, weight, speed, I can find guys at receiver to fill the void. Only so, but so many teams run the ball all the time. Running backs. I don't need a bunch of running backs. Same thing at defensive back. Defensive back, there's an overabundance of defensive backs in the transfer portal. Safeties, even a quite a bit of linebackers. So you're starting to see that the transfer portal is exposing that the guys in the trenches are the most valuable players. And I've heard from other publications, I'm going to give them their credit uh, from 24-7's podcast that they have uh, is that part of the reason is because offensive linemen stay in college longer. Offensive linemen do not come to college ready to play. And that's very true. How many times have you seen an offensive lineman that was a freshman that started? Even in Alabama, it's not normal. You're expected to sit on the bench. You're expected to go to the strength and conditioning program. And by your junior year, you're going to get to play. Whereas a receiver, day one, Travis Hunter is in the spring game playing and catching the ball over people. And Deion Sanders is saying, I don't know why Shadur threw the ball at that guy on a pick. And you're looking at it as a fan, like, I don't know why he threw that guy either. Because I don't I don't know about you, but I don't think Shadur is the world's greatest quarterback. I think he's good. I think post-snap, he's a killer. I've said it before. I think post-snap, that dude is a beast. I think once the ball is snapped, he's a quarterback. Mistakes are going to happen. If you pressure him, he's just like any other quarterback. He's just like any other person. Uh, So that is one of the things that we are seeing that the transfer portal is changing the game. But one of the other problems is students are getting into the transfer portal and expecting to get recruited immediately. Even walk-ons. I mean, we're hearing reports of walk-on saying, well, I'm a division three walk-on. I'm going in the transfer portal. I don't like it here. Nobody else is going to want you. That's what they're saying. That's what the coaches are saying. That's not me saying that the coaches are saying that if you are entering the transfer portal, you have to seriously consider unless you're being pushed out by your coach, why you're going, because if you're not playing, at a small school, then you gotta you're gonna have to trickle down to a smaller school. You're not gonna not play at a school like FAMU and then work your way up to Florida State, because they're gonna look and be like, "Well, you couldn't play over there. Why are you gonna play here?" The competition ain't the same. So, one of the big things with the transfer portals, we're seeing a lot of people are entering the transfer portal, but a very low percentage of the people that aren't the top athletes are being picked up. Like, unless you're just able to fill a void or you know a coach or you know somebody, very few of these guys that are entering the transfer portal are just being picked up. I, I, I heard a report yesterday for Division three athletes. It's somewhere in the neighborhood of 
Division two athletes is not far off and division one athletes outside of the top athletes. It's not looking good. There's over 2000 players that are in these, the transfer portal. And a lot of them aren't going to get picked back up. The ugly truth is for some of our athletes, the new tool is going to be, you need to sign somewhere where you're going to play somewhere where you're going to be comfortable and somewhere where you're going to stay. Because deciding I'm going to hit the transfer portal after two years or after year one, that ain't cutting the mustard. It is not it's not working because we've even seen with our own players here that there's not a lot of them that are getting picked up in the transfer portal. Family so far has had four or five players get into the transfer portal. I haven't seen any of them go to other schools. And it's not saying that they're not good players. And it's not saying that the coaches are not being cooperative. We're seeing that if you see the offensive linemen and some of the other players that Dion has had at Jackson State, and I, I hate to be using his name like that, he's like, hey, I'll help you in any way I can, good brother. He's offering to help the students find a new place. Like, these coaches ain't haters. But the, the, the raw truth is, if you're entering the transfer portal, you need to understand that, one, it's not guaranteed you're going to land anywhere. Two, it's not going to be guaranteed that it's going to be better than where you're at. There's a good chance that you're going to go down in level. Most of the transfers that Florida A&M has received have come from FBS schools, not FCS to FCS schools. And we only have one transfer on the roster that's come up from Division II. FAMU's offered their second Division II athletes, but he's an offensive lineman. Again, offensive line, defensive line, market irregularities. So, Let's kind of be mindful of this. And if you're a parent, tell your students this. Get your grades. Do what you got to do. Go where you need to go. But wherever you're at, be prepared to stay there. Because very few of our transfers from this season are FCS to FCS. We do have some. We have uh, Sheldon, uh, the safety. He's a transfer from Tennessee State University. He's also a Tallahassee native. Sheldon Walker, good guy, good player, nice kid. Met him, met him several times. Know his family, great kid. Good, good stock, as as folks would say. Good family. He's a local kid. I don't know how many of the coaches he knows there, but good kid, good grades, good people. That that helps you a lot. Very few of the players that we are seeing in general are going to be the top players that are at a particular level going down and for those players that are going up more than likely the market so far has shown that it's going to be an offensive or defensive lineman preferably either an edge rusher because florida state picked up an edge rusher from albany he outplayed his uh he outplayed his his level I mean, I'm I'm trying not to become like a financial person about this, but he overplayed what the market said he was worth. His market value exceeded what they thought he was worth. Florida State also picked up Cushney from Alabama A&M the previous year. He transferred out and didn't play. He transferred out from Alabama A&M to Florida State, and he could not see the field. Part of it is because you got a monster over there in Jermaine Johnson, but even... He, he couldn't beat out players like Quayshawn Fuller, any of the other guys on there. He was not getting us a lick of time. Ends up at Purdue. And Purdue's not a powerhouse. It's a good program. Division One. Rebuilding ross Stadium, doing some major improve, improvements. But once he got on that level, he stayed on that level. But again, he is a market <laughs> irregularity whatever you want to call it he he is one of those things that's like oh, oh that's not normal he's a defensive lineman he's a defensive end defensive linemen offensive linemen are going to continually until the quality of offensive line either drastically improves or becomes very consistent across the board are going to continue to be those positions 
that are going to cause the market fluctuations and that are going to be like, oh, oh, irregularity. He's an offensive defensive lineman. He can go from Division two to Division one. Otherwise, if you are a Division one athlete at a Florida A&M University, if you can hang on and live the life. Man, unless you just have a season where you ball out, be 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 wary of entering the transfer portal just because you don't like it or just because your playing time is messed up. Now, if you're a senior, I understand. We got a couple guys entering the transfer portal that are seniors. I get it. There's no point in sitting on the bench because if you can go somewhere else and ball out, but you can't get past somebody on the roster, I mean, sometimes there's a thing that, that we all say in the community, politics, <laughs> coach don't like me, coach like him better. He's taller than me. Coach don't want to give me a shot. Coach know him. That's his homeboy. He don't want to give me a shot. That's not, I'm not saying that's not real. But what I'm saying is for the majority of the time, for those guys that are newer, freshmen, sophomores, it's probably better for you to wait it out. Opposed to entering the transfer portal unless you're an offensive defensive lineman. Um, because otherwise, the market is bearing that you're not going to go to the place you want to go unless you're just that dude. And those dudes that are the, that dude are going places. Um, but the, the film says they're that dude. So that being said, y'all, long episode of Fangs Up this week. But there was a lot going on, man. We get Isaiah Lamb back. We get Kobe Gross to come on and join the team. Come on now, Rattlers. We have some new offers that are coming out. The ladies softball team is going to the SWAC tournament. The baseball team has an epic weekend in which we sweep Alabama State. And the whole week is nothing but a bunch of winning. Oh, man. It's been an amazing time to be a Rattler for this week. And as always, y'all, you know it's going to be fangs up.